Hi guys, Ethan and Kat here. Uh, this week we have another You Ask, We Answered. We have with us... Bob Owens from Lone Duck Outfitters and Kennels. Thank you very much for joining us. Glad to be here, you two. Thank you for having me. We are at SHOT Show this week and we had a great opportunity to sit down with this awesome guy. And again, answer your questions. So without further ado, we're gonna get started. Okay, so I'm gonna be pretty much reading some questions. These guys are gonna be filling in on the answers and I'm gonna jump in and tell you when they're wrong. So, <laughs> first question from Instagram. DV underscore Devinly. Tips on getting your pup to hold versus mouthing birds. And will we be doing a video on this? Okay, so I can start with that. First of all, tips are going to be formal retrieving work and we can't stress this enough going through all of the steps there is no halfway you have to teach everything from hold to fetch to finish work um, we use the table tables are not required but you go from table work to groundwork and so on what is your take bob uh completely agree how can i ask a dog to do something that it doesn't know yet so i've got to teach first so they call it the trained retrieve i call it force fetch it's just a process where i teach that dog how to hang on to something, how to be comfortable hanging on to something, and then learning how to turn pressure on and off and getting praise in the end for complying. And that should ultimately help with chopping, rolling. It's gonna get rid of all of it. Yeah. It can, it can, yeah. I mean, the chopping could also be genetic as well. I've seen some breeds that are more likely to be tougher on a bird. Um, so that is another aspect that we don't know what kind of dog you have, but that trained retrieve force fetch is gonna help. Good, good question. Next question, which this one's a good one. I'm excited to see what these guys have to say. So from Instagram, LW underscore 4H underscore press, what is your favorite thing to train a dog? And do you know how to get a dog more strong on their point? So there's a lot of background noise or a shot show, so hopefully you'll be able to hear most of our <laughs> answers. Oh. I would say my favorite thing to teach dogs to do would be the advanced aspect of stuff. I love taking a dog to that finish, polish level, and with our short hairs, that's gonna mean steadiness. Steady to wing shot and fall is a pretty thing to watch. And when you put two dogs to run as a brace and they're backing, they're standing, and you don't have to worry about any of it, I absolutely love finishing a dog to that level. As far as... How to get a dog more strong on point. I have short-term memory loss. Um, <laughs> no. How to get a dog stronger on point. It kind of goes hand in hand, I guess, uh, with what my favorite thing is to train, but it's gonna be repetition and consistency, but... Um, firm understanding of woe is the key to steadiness, in my opinion. We do a lot of the teaching of steadiness without actually understanding well. We do it by developing a dog's natural ability, but when it comes down to standing for longer amounts of time, woe training is the key. I also want to jump in and say that I think that a dog will become stronger on point with low training involved when they have more confidence in what they're doing. Um, pushing a young dog to be that level of steadiness too fast can just cause more issues where dogs are unsure of what they're truly supposed to be doing out there. Mental maturity is huge. Absolutely. I would say my favorite thing is I like taking a young dog. I love doing the advanced work and I love teaching dogs blind retrieves and stuff like that. But I love that moment when the light bulb goes off in that young dog's brain and the natural instincts kick in and it's like, oh my gosh, I love swimming. Oh my gosh, I love birds. Oh my gosh, this is fun. <laughs> and the light bulb clicks and you're like, now we're now we're doing something here. That's awesome. That's awesome. My favorite thing, hey, hey. 
I get to answer this too. My favorite thing to train dogs is probably brace work. Um, I love working two dogs together or three dogs together um, and having them honor each other's points, honor their boom, boom, boom. Um, which kind of leads into more of the advanced stuff. But it's fun when you get young dogs that are super natural at backing too, come out for the first time, they see that other dog on point, they're like, boom, I'm backing that. Not really yeah. sure why yet, but I naturally want to do it. It's really fun to see that happen. Super pretty. Yeah. Very cool. Love working multiple dogs together. Excellent question. Okay, next question from Dakota Dut 25. How do you introduce your dogs to their first birds? We actually have a video out on how we do it, but we typically, with a young puppy, uh, that would be a first introduction is a lot of times a dead bird that I'll just grab for a puppy out of the, you know, the birds we've shot that day and toss it. Um, the other side of it, when it's a true session for them for bird introduction, we take a pigeon most of the time, we lock wings on that pigeon so that they're doing one without the flapping wings of, uh, if they're pumped about that, then we go right to wings flapping. Let's see what you've got for a prey drive. Let's bring that out, so. Absolutely. I'll do the same thing. Uh, a dead bird of some sort, pigeon, chucker, depending on the size of the dog, maybe start with a smaller size duck sure. and mallard. And I'm gonna play with it and tease it and get that puppy extremely, extremely excited so that any like nerves that they may have about this thing yeah. go out the window because I've pumped them up. I wanna build drive and I wanna build it as a really positive, exciting thing. Absolutely, I like the way you said that too because I think that um, the average person gets too hung up on obedience and uh, they feel like, you know which obedience is important, don't get me wrong there, but there is a time and a place for it. And a young puppy, if they're jumping on you and they're pumped and all of these things are happening and it's their first bird introduction, none of that matters. They need to be pumped and excited about that bird. Absolutely. So teasing them and getting yeah. them that way is the best way to get yeah. it. Definitely don't want to create apprehension around that bird at all. And if you're getting after your puppy for jumping at you, you can definitely taint that situation a little bit. Right. The other thing I wouldn't worry about in my first few sessions is, let's say your dog doesn't pick it up. Yeah. Let's say you, you try and you try and you're fired up and happy puppy voice and it's not doing it, that doesn't mean you have a bad dog. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Put the dog up, put the bird up, try again the next day. Absolutely. Don't beat the dead horse and, and try it for an hour. Try it for five, 10 minutes and then put the duck away, put the dog away, try again tomorrow. And that dog will do it. Might Absolutely. take a week, might take the first throw. I don't know, but be patient with that dog. Yep, 100%. Great question. From Grant A. Green, Breaking it down, what is the most important skill to make sure your dog understands before heading to the field, and can this be taught to an older dog after the event? So my answer would be gunfire. You can't have a gun dog if they're afraid of guns. So there are so many people out there that have, you know, taken firecrackers or 4th of July or shot a dog over the dog's head just to see if it's gun shy. Yeah. Well, I would bet you more times than not, they're going to have a problem with that. So I introduce it when the dog's maturing. You know, I'm not doing it as a puppy. I'm maybe getting them acclimated to loud noises, yeah. but I'm not shooting a gun around a puppy um, until they've got serious prey drive, retrieve drive. I've built that, yeah. and now I can incorporate that at a distance. So I feel like if you have a dog that has never been around gunfire or guns, and I mean, you can't have a gun dog, so. Yeah. You have no business heading to the field if they haven't no. had a gun introduction. Absolutely. And even to the extent, like you're saying, just to see, there is no such thing as a, a dog born gun shy. All right. of it's created, whether that be from a lack of socialization or um, improper introduction. It, it, all can, it all can be created. 
and um, I, I don't believe that there's a dog born gun shy. So, and I definitely get this. The question. the question was, what's the most important thing before you're going to the field, right? Yes. Okay. And um, can this be taught to the dog huge. after the fact? So, I'm not sure if after the fact means after you've already gone to the field, can you come back and introduce things? Well, yes, you can. Now, if yeah. you've gone to the field without a proper gunfire introduction and you cause a problem, you're have more work. have a lot of work to uh, to fix that problem that you may not have had if you've been properly prepared for the field. Um, and one other thing that people tell us that they do all the time is, oh yeah, I took my dog to the to the range to the glacier, yeah. and I just had him in the, the golf cart or staked him out and just shot around and shot around. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. That's a great way to cause a problem. Not every time. Some dogs are just so bold, so confident, and have been really well socialized that that's not going to cause a problem. But I would say that that situation is much more few and far between than the opposite, where yeah. you're going to cause a huge problem. It's going to take lots of time, money, energy, effort to get over. So two things. First of all, I think you ask, usually what I've heard is you ask 10 dog trainers a question, you get 10 different answers. But I would say that that would be one that probably is not uh, disagreed with by anyone, that taking your dog to a gun range to introduce them to gunfire is a bad idea. Yeah. Now, as far as a, what's the most important, in my opinion, it's it's more of a three-part thing. You need to have a dog, two parts at the most. They need to be introduced to birds so that that doesn't cause bird shyness. They need to be introduced to gunfire, that is huge. But then the last is, you gotta be able to have that dog that's gonna actually come back to you or you're gonna be able yeah. to get a hold of them. So, you need those three things, in my opinion, in order to be able to take your dog. If they'll come back to you, they're good with birds and gunfires, go have fun. I agree. Agree. I don't know how many times I can say that, but I agree with you on everything. We're gonna say it a thousand more times. <laughs> yeah. So, next question from Tom J. Klusner. Tools to use to teach pointing besides live birds. So I kind of chuckled. We reviewed a few of the questions prior to just rolling with it to make sure that we we're all on board with answering some of them because you know you gotta agree once in a while sure um, but it's a really hard thing to expect your dog to learn how to point a bird without a bird involved with that um, but we definitely understand that there's times that it's difficult you live in town um, you don't have access to birds but there's a lot of ways that you can gain access to those live birds yeah sure. yeah so one resource that i tell people all the time is if you need live birds craigslist you can most of the time find somebody that has pigeons for sale on craigslist you might have to drive to go and get them they're usually five to ten dollars i would say yeah so pigeons that would be a great way yep. and then i always send people to this place called zgamebirds.com z is in zebra gamebirds.com they'll cool. send you quail chucker pheasants all in the mail so they send it to your post office you go pick it up at your post office and you got birds but then your what? oh yeah dude mail ordered birds you learn right. something new every I day i know so but you had an awesome point that I, you know i know but i didn't even think about it with clubs yeah your clubs, clubs pointer clubs navda all that stuff they're gonna have training days these people if they live in a city and can't have a pigeon coop yep they could go once a month every other saturday or something and then you're gonna make friends that might, might have might have access to the grounds or the property or the birds that you need and you network and just go out there and work with your dog and birds. Absolutely. The one thing that I would discourage and that we see quite a bit is wing on a string to develop some kind of pointing instinct. Yes, it brings out a dog that points, but ultimately it's just sight recognition. Um, and 
as the years have gone on with our short hairs and pointing dogs, they become much more visually oriented um, because of the environments they live in and the breedings. When you breed for versatility, you breed for retrieving ability. And I would, I would beg, this is a great question for you. Um, with your retrievers, would you say that they use their eyes or their nose more naturally? We want a dog that will mark a fall area go to the fall area and then hunt intelligently with the nose. I don't want that dog hunting with his nose on the ground all the way to the bird. So I want them to have depth perception and confidence to go to where they saw it fall and then that's when their nose kicks in and they stay in that hunt area and find it. So you're going to say, I'm, so my assumption is with that, that on average you're breeding for visual orientation. They've got to have They have to set. have the nose, but they need to have eyes. Yep. So the more that I see um, pointing dogs being bred for versatility, the more that there's a big push for that, the more that they move toward that eye game. Yep. And then if we put emphasis on that with a wing on a string pointing game, then they're out there pointing blades of grass and leaves and bugs and non-important things. And it takes time to actually develop a dog that will use their nose to find a bird. So my recommendation is don't play wing on a string more than once if you want to get a cool picture of your puppy, but then put the fishing pole away until summertime for fishing. Yeah, and a lot of people also say, hey, I got some pheasant scent, I put it on a bumper, I went and hit the bumper in the grass, and then I wanted to bring my dog in to point To point it, yeah, no. Or they say, hey, I got some dead birds in the freezer, I went out and I hit my dead birds, and I wanted my dog to come in and point those things. Well, we don't really want our dogs pointing dead birds, we want them retrieving those dead birds, so we don't want to put the emphasis on those dead birds. Um, So you really, truly need live birds, but there's ways to come about getting access to those. if you live in town or don't have access to have them at your house. And clubs are huge. Clubs yeah. and apparently the post office. Absolutely. CZGameBirds.com. That'll probably pop up on the screen down here or somewhere. They never pop up, but we always point like there's stuff that's going to pop up. Yeah. Just put it right here in the middle. Uh. <laughs> okay, so this question was from Instagram and it was asked on um, Bob's page Shadow. Shadox underscore 44. How would you train a Boykin if you mostly hunted upland, but also hunt some waterfalls? Okay. So for me, I look at it like I'm building this dog's skill level no matter what. So if you mainly hunt upland, he's going to use his nose. He's going to learn how to hunt and quarter. He's going to use his eyes to mark the bird that you shot when he flushed it. Now for waterfowl, you know, they've got to be good with water. So at a young age, introduce them to water properly. Um, And then we're going to build steadiness. So sit next to me in the boat canoe on the dog stand, you know, on a log, whatever, and build steadiness where he's watching the sky and marking birds and going getting them when sent, not breaking and whatnot. So truthfully, there's not much. I wouldn't train it any different. Yeah. They need to be steady. They need to be good with gunfire, birds, water, all that jazz. Um, And so it'd be kind of an easy transition if you ask me. So I, the only thing that I could probably add to that, and you may disagree with this, um, I try and ask what is going to be the primary focus, and, and that's what we're like going to put. Hunting is specifically their focus. Yeah, but also want to do some waterfowl. Just understand that. I mean, there is no, um, you know, there's a, there's a master of it's a jack of all trades, master of nothing, right? Or you can be a master of something. So. If you want to have the ability to do it all, expect that there's going to be some give and take there. If you want a dog to be a perfect duck dog, which there's no such thing as perfect, but 
You want it to be the best at being a duck dog or the best at being an upland dog. That's where you're gonna put the primary focus and then go, you've got enough of the tools that you can come along and not be a pain in the butt on the other game. I agree. And so. sometimes we've seen too with people that are interested in both um, upland and waterfall hunting, and again asking what their primary goal is. Um, but typically, I try and get a puppy um, that's confident, searching independently in the field first before I put so much steadiness um, and sitting right next to emphasis on that because yeah. it's really hard to get a puppy once they've had all that steadiness training next to you to feel confident moving out and hunting independently in the field. Couldn't agree more. And probably vice versa. So you put all the emphasis on running, you're gonna have a little more issue with steadiness, which is why 100%. pick that, what is most important to you and understand there's gonna be a little bit of uh, give and take with that on the other yeah. side. Awesome question. Another question um, from Dirty Neat Z. What specifically makes what does that say? Dirty Neat Z. Dirty Neat Z. I love it, dude. Yep. <laughs> what specifically makes you like Yukonuba, and what's your go-to from their line? That's a great question. So we both um, are on the same team with that, and I think for us, the biggest thing is that not all dog foods are created equal, and not all dogs are the same. So you've got to find what's going to fit you the best. Um, they've got a lot of different formulas. We found that their puppy food, large breed puppy food for our dogs works great. And then some dogs um, need different formulas. We've got the old man on a different formula and then the performance dogs, the working dogs on the 3020. So it's um, finding what fits best. Uh, we've been really happy with it, so. Yeah, I agree. I think puppy formula is really strong. Their adult food is on, or I have some dogs on the adult food in my kennel and then majority's on their 3020 sporting blend. Um, why I made the switch and why I like them. I think they're giving back to our community a lot. They're really yeah. focusing on bringing value to our community, the gun dog community, the hunting community, the sporting world. And that goes a long way for me. Yeah. So someone who cares about youth in the outdoors and making our lives easier and bringing more people into the sport is a positive. So I think as well as being phenomenal nutrition wise they take good care of our industry so i give back too and i also like the fact that they're really open to feedback from people that are feeding yeah them. yeah absolutely um, if we've ever got a question about how much we should be feeding or um if somebody's not holding weight the right way we talk to them and they say hey well this formula might be a better option for you or have you tried doing this absolutely which getting a hold of somebody at a big company like that isn't always easy so the fact that they're willing to work with us has been great 100 percent Great question. So another question from Facebook from Nate Powett. Do you recommend using an e-collar while puppy is indoors? Was thinking to teach to keep off counters. Okay. I'm a heck yeah, buddy. <laughs> heck yeah, buddy. We use collars everywhere. Um, I think that there's a bigger, the, the way that that's stated is it looks like you're in a, a correction mindset. And I believe that there's better ways to start with that than just straight you know, counter breaking, if you will. But um, definitely there's no problem with using e-collars inside. Yeah. Um, maybe the one thing that you could look at would just be implementing some place training 
which is going to kind of develop a better habit. So, yeah. So I would jump in and say, like, even though I said, heck yeah, I'm like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Make sure, you know, I'll caveat that with make sure you teach the collar right. You don't just slap it on there and say, I'm going to fix you right now. That's a, right? that's the number one problem that we hear. I mean, right. and that's what gives collars a bad name Absolutely. and people that use them a bad name. So I, I should have said it in the beginning. Like I would be irresponsible to just say that and not say it should be taught properly so the dog understands right and wrong yeah. and what that collar means so it's not a negative tool it's just a teaching tool but then yeah i would make that or the counter an uncomfortable place for that dog to be now a point evan no, made no, so. or ethan made excuse me is the place training yeah that's huge the dog can't jump on the counters if you're paying attention to it exactly. so it either needs to be in a crate on a place or under your supervision so that chewing on things when you don't want them to be or counter surfing you're on that so as soon as a, a behavior you don't like you're able to make a correction and then redirect and praise for doing something better you because can develop time, good habits yeah that way. and yep. timing's super important i don't know how many facebook videos i see of people <laughs> videoing their dog up on the counter stealing food or literally all the way up on they're the like counter. look at this this is crazy well you're just reinforcing the fact that your dog got up there and right. no correction was made and right. it's going to be a lot harder to implement that that's a bad behavior later. Yeah. Um, and then like Ethan had mentioned, like develop, or maybe one of these guys mentioned, <laughs> um, developing like the behaviors that we want. So when your dog is in the kitchen hanging out with you while you're cooking dinner and they're not jumping up on the counter, that's a great time to reward them, praise them. Um, I always give them like a baby carrot or something if that's what I'm cooking or we have dog treats and say, hey, you're doing something right. Sitting, hanging out, not getting on the counters, that's when you're gonna get rewarded. You got to be able to in incorporate all of that. There's correction when stuff's done wrong and there's praise of some sort, whether it be food or good boy or whatever, when they're doing it right so that they can they can figure out what's right, what's wrong. Now that we've mentioned, you need to introduce the collar properly, but to answer the question, heck yeah. Woo! Get it. <laughs> so next question. This is uh, definitely for Bob from Wamello88. Where is the staff? Yeah, Bob, where is the staff? Oh, that's the staff. It's a dirty mustache. So if you haven't followed me or don't follow me, that I understand. It's at Lone Duck, by the way, on Instagram. Um, I, I have a mustache periodically, and it has created its own little persona on social media. People love it, and it's so dirty, <laughs> it, you can't help but love it. And uh, truthfully, where it is, is it's in uh, a sink or trash can somewhere in New York. So, so I've got go. a question then. <laughs> Have you ever had the opportunity to say, who's ready for a mustache ride? <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay. Probably daily. 100%. Okay. Uh, and we digress. Next we question. We digress. Moving on. So this one is from Mark W. Cross 7. First off, tell Bob hello from me. Hello. Um, I'm sure this question will help people out. How do you maintain eye contact on retrieve delivery? Excellent. I've got an answer to this too, but I want to hear what you got to say, buddy. I don't really care. Yeah. So what's up, buddy? How are you? Um, I, I think that eye contact for certain trainers is huge. And I, I there's value in it when I'm giving hand signals. Um, I want that dog to trust me and look at me and focus on me so I can cast. But when they're bringing a bird back to me, I'm after force fetching they're a finished product sure. here he'll sit good let's go pick up another one yeah so i'm not looking for them to stare at me as they're coming in to hear heal and sit yep. i'm just looking for them to 
be so conditioned in habit form that it's right into my side, sit nicely, no chomping, no rolling, no dropping, just nice, calm, here, heel, sit, baby. So I'm not worried about eye contact. I couldn't agree more. Now, in this situation, I've even had the exact opposite uh, effect of, I've had dogs that have too much eye contact and it it pisses me off because the dog <laughs> wants to swing around and sit and look at me with it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, bro, you're supposed to be healing. And if yeah. you're healing, then you're ready to be sent for the next bird. Sure. Or you're in a healing position where you're for that advanced level of stuff, you're under control because you're here. And yes. that's huge when you get into those tests or whatever. If they're lollygagging and jumping around, yep. it's different. But if you're at heel already, you take that bird, they're still at heel and that's where they're supposed to stay. So Absolutely. that extra eye contact coming back is more of an issue for me personally. It sounds like doesn't really matter one way or the other, but you'd rather just be ready for the next bird. Absolutely. Awesome, great question. Yeah, it's a cool question. Next question, and probably our last question for today, because we don't want to take up too much time. We got stuff to do at SHOT Show. From Caldwell Smith, I know every dog is different, but based on your experience, how long would you say it takes to correct the dog from being gun shy? Ooh, this is a great last question, because it was going to take a little bit. Do you want to go or you want me to? You're, you're the guest, buddy. You can start right. this one off, so, and then I'll tell you. I, I'm reminded by this. Uh, I had a client, she was actually short hair. Um, he's the nicest man in the world. He's a pediatrician yeah. and he has this five-year-old dog that's gun shy. Okay. It's a German short hair, but he really wants to hunt. He loves uh, shooting sporting clays and yeah. loves to go to the preserve and he can't take his dog because she's gun shy. Yeah. So he brings her out and I'm just looking at what she's doing and I'm saying, she just doesn't know what she's doing. She's not yeah. gun shy. She's just lacked confidence, right? Okay. So all I did in that situation was hyped prey drive, taught her her role, her job. Yep. And now she's locking up on point and chasing birds. I'm letting her chase. She's screaming across the field. I don't even care. You know, come back in five minutes because she's just having fun. And then all of a sudden, I shoot a 22 or 209 primer, right? Yep. And she's far away and hauling butt. Doesn't after, care anymore. No, and then we move it in and move it in, move it in. And slowly but surely, her natural instinct, prey drive, and confidence in her job that was it. Like I didn't have to do anything different. Exactly. You have a straight up scared to death, runs underneath the truck, runs back to the house, will not work gun shy dog. My solution would be similar to what I did with Grace there. You're, you're super far away. I would completely eliminate guns for a very long time and I'd build all that drive, yeah. all that confidence. And then I would have the gun present and I would you know, carry it around and I would have it become a non-issue. Yeah. And then I would start very far away with just your 209 and just read that dog's body language, build drive, build intensity, build confidence, and slowly, 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 and watch that dog's body language. Absolutely. I think that he hit the nail on the head. And the biggest things that I wanna reiterate on is that gunfire doesn't fix gun shyness. Building prey drive <laughs> right. and desire fixes it because right. all we need to do is for the dog to not pay attention and that's key when we're doing even just our gunfire introductions mm -hmm. is if the dog pays attention at all we need to slow that down our goal is that they're focused on a task and we have to build drive for that task which is usually with bird dogs bird related yep i've had some instances where we've been able to work something more food drive related or bumper but related or bumper, related. Or bumper yep. related yep but it's something that dog really wants to work for if they don't have anything they want to work for we've got to find something first and develop something that becomes high drive and desire to do that task absolutely 
Once you get to that point, the rest is all downhill, but don't push it. And again, gunfire does not fix gun sensitivity or gun shyness issues. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have a video on gun introduction on your YouTube channel. We have a channel. couple of gunfire introductions. I yeah. saw on your YouTube channel, you've got a great video on gunfire introductions. Yeah, so some short hairs or pointers, they don't have that same retrieve drive that we have. Yep. So it would be more pointing and letting them chase that bird first, like bumpers. So yep. mine's more bumper related and his YouTube would be more pointing related. So there's options for you, if you depending on your dog of how to introduce it properly. properly but definitely once that sensitivity issues there you have to reevaluate and approach it slowly 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 and differently um, but every dog especially depending on the level of sensitivity if you have a dog that is scared to death because potentially it went somewhere else and wasn't handled properly um, or you didn't handle the situation properly you kept trying and trying and trying to hunt over the dog and it just got worse and worse and worse those sensitivity issues are going to be much more ingrained than, oh, I went out one time, I saw something I thought looked a little sketchy, a little gun sensitive, and I stopped completely right, and exactly. then, you know, started over. Um, that's going to be usually an easier fix, a shorter term fix, um, but definitely you have to just read the dog and read the situation and can't stress enough, you can't push a dog through it. If, no, If they are absolutely not. hesitant and not confident in what they're doing, you can't just be like, well, we're going to do this until you are confident. That doesn't exactly work. You have no. to let them build their confidence at their own rate. And that's the, the, the last point that I was going to throw out there is when you see sensitivity, don't continue to push it. Seek additional help. The more that you compound that problem, the harder and the longer it's going to take to fix it. So anything else to add? Can't have a gun dog if they're afraid of guns. I like it. Hey guys, thanks everybody for watching. What we we want to thank Bob for being on the show today. We don't Yawa. really know the what show. We're Yawa. It Yawa. 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 Um, guys, check out his Instagram chan channel page. Page. Check out his Insta. Check out his YouTube channel, and then be check prepared. Out his podcast too. Oh yeah, heck yeah, you oh, got the podcast. I've been on there. It's a really sweet deal. They're doing that weekly. Weekly. Yep. Every Wednesday or so. It's it's uh, a new one. It's called Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. And we're at Lone Duck on Instagram. That's kind of where we're most, I don't know. I'm, I'm using, yeah, prevalent. I use it the most, go. so check me out. I like it. I like Thank it. You. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And if you have uh, anything else, we'll Every be here week. next week. Yep. We'll be Yawa. Here next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys.